0: hello lovely friends welcome back to get unbothered i'm margaret your host and today i am joined with a very special guest to talk about life in japan uh some chit chat about you know random stuff and making friends in a new city i hope you enjoy today i am here with my friend emily and emily is an english teacher in japan so Emily if you want to like introduce yourself more go for it. For, for sure. Hey Margaret, long time no see. No. <laughs> so hi everyone
1: to Margaret's listeners. I'm Emily and I am an English teacher in Japan currently in elementary and junior high school. So basically that's from 8 to 15 years old and it's the end of the school year right now so I'm just really gonna miss my kids because they're gonna graduate and i just hope that they will have wonderful lives after school and i know they will so other than that i'm also the host of the cheeky academics podcast but i'll save that info for later yep so that's pretty much all about me and also one more thing i'm from malaysia not from america not from canada not from the uk sorry the USA. I should have said that. I'm so used to the Japanese way of saying like the USA. They always <laughs> say like America.
0: <laughs> America. <laughs> America. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Emily is repping Malaysia. We love it. And so since we're talking about making friends in a new city and you obviously like you moved not just to a new city you moved to a new country like you went from malaysia to japan so if you want to kind of like give some background info there i think that would be really interesting
1: oh for sure so i came to japan because of this teaching opportunity and i just really thought that teaching was my calling and wanted to try it out in a country that would you you know because japan doesn't use English a lot compared to um, the other countries as well so I thought it would be really interesting to be in a country where I get to experience like how English is taught in schools over here and also able to experience the culture and how it is in Japan because I actually love Japan so I grew up with Ghibli and it is actually a Um, How do I say it was like a very nostalgic thing like thinking back right now it's really nostalgic. I really love Mononoke Hime. I love Sento Chihiro. So those were the things that kind of hooked me to um, Japan. So I didn't really think about moving to Japan until I got this opportunity and I was like, Oh, this is the time. And I just came here for the interview, got the job, and I am currently still living here. So that is basically how I got here with some teaching experience. Uh, I also got my cert and whatnot. But I would say that when I arrived here, I came with zero Japanese. So I had no idea how to go around the... Um, the language and how to go around daily life over here which was really scary at first because you know the only way that you can get around places is through the language here because they don't speak English a lot in Niigata at all so you're kind of forced into a situation where you have to pick up the language so it's kind of like deal with it sort of thing and I say that in a most respectful way because I think the Japanese um, people here are really really welcoming to um, foreigners like me and I try to make an effort to sort of okay I will be interested in your the way that you live the way your culture is I learned so many things here and I'm very thankful for that. So of course I was excited because I've always dreamed of the idea of moving to a different country and now that that happened the only thing that didn't get me was I would be moving into a country that that doesn't speak the language that I've been speaking my entire life. So that was basically the one thing that was um, I would say both exciting and you know sort of making me really nervous about how am I going to survive here without having any knowledge of that language. But I would say that I've been pretty lucky with a lot of different things that have been happening in the schools here that I teach because I, you know, everyone's like, okay, you know, you have a mom with you, right? But I have so many Japanese moms with me. So every um, teacher that I work with in school is kind of like my mom. So if there's something that happened like the earthquake last time, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and my teachers were like, Are you okay? Are you okay? Do you have everything you need? Do you have like a blackout or something? Like, do I need to come and get you? And I was like, No, 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 I'm fine. It was just like a like a little shake. That's all. Because you know. <laughs> I haven't experienced just a little any shake. <laughs> just a little shake. It's like, okay, trying to be cool here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was that was pretty much it. Like, you know, coming over here and how that has also changed me into kind of person that I am right now as a teacher and also as an individual.
0: That's really awesome that coming to Japan like with no knowledge of Japanese whatsoever you were able to like kind of still integrate into the community and you were welcomed and stuff and I remember very firsthand how amazing it was to have like those um, Japanese mom friends who kind of just like look out for you and will message you over like the slightest thing to make sure you're all right. Like I remember um, one of my mom friends messaged me during like the typhoon when I was there just to like be like, do you have everything you need? Do you need food? Do you need supplies? And I was like, I'm good. I'm good. But <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so for sure, the hospitality in Japan is definitely great. And you said that you you knew no Japanese whatsoever when you got there. Um, but how did you, like, did you already have friends in the area or did you just start from scratch with friends as well?
1: Oh, so to put it very, very simply, I put my entire life behind me because whatever that I've had in Malaysia was basically, you know, a part of my life that helped me to be whoever I was today. But coming here, it's like not just starting a new chapter in the book, it was more of like, let me add like a sequel coming in to a book. You get what I mean? So it's kind of like adding this section of your life that is completely different from the previous story, but it's still related to you. So it was a huge change in that sense because I had to restart every single thing, because Niigata is not a place that a lot of Malaysians would come. Everybody would be like, I want to be in Tokyo, I want to be in Osaka, I want to be in Kyoto, the, you know, the big cities. Nobody really thinks about like, oh, let's go to the tiny, like, you know, prefectures with the smaller population and whatnot. So I had to start from scratch with all my friendships. And it wasn't very easy, because it takes a lot of, um, how do you say, it's a lot of effort on your end as well, just to make friends, get out to say hi to someone. And I know it's pretty easy for some people, but for me, it took a lot of like courage and be like, Hey,
0: can you be friends with me? Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I feel like going and putting yourself out there and meeting new people in any context is really difficult and and scary for for a lot of people obviously the more extroverted and outgoing you are the easier of a time you'll have but I think like no matter who you are extrovert introvert or somewhere in between if you're moving to a new place it kind of throws you off your element because there's so many things that you're having to change like your whole routine is different you don't have um a lot of times the benefit of having like mutual friends to introduce you to new groups, like you have to do all the work from scratch in a lot of cases. So, I mean, I think it's awesome that you were still able to kind of come out of your shell and find friends, even though it took a lot of courage and gambateing. <laughs> Definitely
1: a lot of that. And I would say that even though I've been here for like almost three years right now, it's still, it's still difficult for me to go out and say hi to like a new person, but it was a lot easier to do that when I was with like friends that I already knew or even some acquaintances whom I've been talking to just a little bit. So I think that that little connection that you have is really important, no matter how big or small, because that's like your key into so many different networks, so many different friends, so many different opportunities.
0: Definitely, definitely, and I guess just to kind of give um, my listeners some background information about our friendship, because I know you came to Japan before I did, so you were already there when I arrived in Niigata, but when I arrived, I definitely struggled with making friends because I was um, although I had been to Japan before for study abroad and I did speak Japanese um, a little bit at least i was like still very shy and very like nervous and anxious about Mm -hmm. meeting new people and starting from scratch and the people that I initially tried to befriend um, they were really nice and stuff but I just didn't feel like we clicked Mm -hmm. like on a close level and I'm the type of person where I'm not very satisfied by like lots of acquaintanceships or vague surface level friendships. Like, I really only feel fulfilled by deeper friendships, if that makes sense. For Um, sure. So, I was just kind of really struggling for a bit because, you know, I was not really connecting with the people that came in my cohort for teaching uh, with the JET program. Like, again, they were all really nice and, and really fun and cool people, but I was so shy and so nervous, too that I think I just I had a hard time connecting in like that large of a group and I was also um, I talked about this in the last episode that I recorded it hasn 't been published yet, but it will probably come out before this episode does so hopefully the, the nice timeline, plug <laughs> hopefully the timeline like adds up. but I talked about this in a previous episode um, I was actually while when I came to Japan, I made the decision to not really drink much alcohol, which is hard to do in Japan because Japan is very, um, a very alcohol loving culture. Like everybody drinks in Japan for the most part and quite a lot too. So I was, um, I wasn't sober at that point, but I was like very much trying to moderate and like control my drinking. And so like, I had a hard time finding people that sort of aligned with my goals and when I met you I was like super relieved and excited because you and then um your friends who I also got to meet um and befriend like you guys weren't huge on going out and drinking a ton like yeah we still drank but it was I felt much more in my element because I wasn't like feeling peer pressured if that makes sense
1: Wait, wait, wait. Let me like clarify that point here. It's not that I'm completely off alcohol. It's just that I've already been through that stage. Do you you remember the chapter series kind of thing that I was saying just now? Yes. (laughs) So alcohol was that past book that was already done. It's been published. It's done. (laughs) Yes. So like, I think this, this is all have to do, um, this all had to do with COVID as well, because before COVID happened, A lot of these drinking parties were happening and obviously they happen in such large groups but considering that it happened um last year the entire of last year so it took away a huge part of what traditional um japanese like culture would be a lot of people think like oh it's just your tea ceremony your anime and stuff but drinking is a huge part of your culture like you said so the pandemic actually took that away in the not really took it away, but more like minimized it so much because they had to close the bars early and whatnot. So I think like that kind of motivated me to also put that alcohol thingy in my in the past because I went to so many of these um drinking parties because of um you know, because you know, when you get invited to a school party, you don't really say no. And it is also like courtesy because that kind of party is for you to appreciate all your teachers around you and have a good time something like you know you know bonenka is right so basically it's the end of the year party where the my bonenka was just...
0: canceled because of COVID. oh no, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> i know what but it is I meant but, it but i sadly the... never got to experience it i had the i had the one that's like in the school like where you you do like the small version with like the fancy bento box in the in the class or the teacher's room or whatever but i didn't get to do the going out to the restaurant and all of that stuff my school's all canceled theirs because of covid oh
1: my that's so unfortunate because like we we always have the small bento ones in schools but the ones out of school is kind of where you see everyone slightly out of their elements and that is really interesting because There was this slight study that I read online, I completely forgot where it was, so I'm sorry if this was misquoted. But if you drink alcohol and if you're under influence, you somehow speak your other language that you were learning or trying to speak a lot better. So suddenly, my teachers were speaking a lot more English to me, or rather they had the courage to do a lot of that. And i did the same with japanese so i was like oh my goodness when 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 did i speak japanese this way like i had no idea so all of this would come up and i think that you know back to your point about meeting friends through different things and if you find something that you somehow connect with um, with somebody else i think that there's something really important to just hold on tight like for example if a teacher doesn't like the same food that you don't like and you're like oh my gosh me too right natto is disgusting so (laughs) I I love natto actually but there was this teacher whom I, I just have to place that information on him because that was one of the few things that I remembered about him he's Japanese but he hates natto with passion
0: well I can I can definitely understand that because I too hate natto with a passion um I would definitely eat it when it was served with, like, our Kyushoku or school lunch, but um, just as, like, a, like, sign of respect or whatever because there were two – there were only two things at Kyushoku that I refused to eat, and it was the, like, shishimo fry, like, with the the eggs in it. I love those. They're, like, little (laughs) fish filled with eggs and then fried, and they still have all their bones in them, and, like, the kids would eat them and then, like, have sword fights with the fish spine, and, like, I just – no, I could not do that one. And then love, um, love. The, other, the other one I could not eat was, uh, oh my gosh, what was it called? Um, was it fish? It wasn't, I don't think it was, maybe it was natto. On, honestly, was it natto? honestly, I think the two were natto and the shishamo fry.
1: <laughs> because sometimes they mix the natto with salad or meat. So I've had both of those before. There was one version that was meat. And I was like, "You're putting protein and protein together." Okay, sure. And the next one was a salad, which is the basic like spinach, blanched spinach with carrots, and then they just park natto and like a handful of cheese in there. And the kids will be like, "Ooh,
0: ooh. yum!" And some of them will <laughs> be like, ooh, yum!" Yeah. And I'm and meanwhile like, I'm over ooh. here like, "Do I really have to eat this?" Um, and the <laughs> natto, the natto is like, what is it? It's it's a so- it's soybean, right? yes fermented soybean fermented soybean and it's so like it's the texture is so stringy and sticky and i just don't i cannot handle it but i'm glad you could eat it because i'm sure that made school lunch a lot more tolerable for you (laughs) i i
1: can eat a lot of different foods i've even eaten like the horse sashimi when i was in fukuoka (gasps) I have eaten like the shishamon, the small fish fries, and I love that. I can also eat like lots of different seaweeds. The only thing that I don't eat, which surprises people, is umeboshi, which is the pickled plum. I know. Really? I know. You eat all of that, but not the pickled plum? (laughs) It has this really weird sour taste that I just cannot deal with. Like I do lemon fine. I do lime fine, but... I don't know, umeboshi just, I, I need something that goes with it really well. Like I've tried it in a rice ball. I've tried it like, you know, by itself. I tried it, you know, on top of the rice, but this doesn't work for me. Like why I, do you put that sour thing in my mouth?
0: <laughs> I also like when I first had umeboshi was very like turned off by it, but I had an umeboshi like rice ball mm-hmm. on a hiking trip. And I think I was just so hungry by the time I Ate it that like it tasted good and from then on out it was okay
1: <laughs> that was actually how I got transformed with olives actually I used to hate olives a lot olives and capers yes but after that like when I ate it in the right context oh my gosh like such a teaching with the right context it was okay
0: I can do I- this I still hate olives. I can tolerate capers sometimes, but I will never eat olives. Like you could not force me to. And I, it's so weird because I love Mediterranean food. I eat it pretty often, but like, there's just something about olives. Like I don't like any of them, the green ones or the black ones It's just a no for me. But mm-hmm. I think like what you were saying about um, having like the commonality with someone, because even food seems like so trivial, but we really do bond over food as people. Like Mm -hmm. that is such a big thing. So like, I know for me, um, when I was first getting to know you and like Kate and our other friends, like we kind of bonded over, uh, tea and sweets and like Mm -hmm. that love of going to cafes in the middle of the day and like sampling different things. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, yeah, food don't underestimate the power of food to bring people together. Just don't. No. And also, if you dislike the same things, like if you and your teacher both disliked natto, that would be an instant talking point. So. For sure.
1: for <laughs> sure. It, it, it's also, it's not just about something that you have in common, but something that you kind of clash with because you start having a discussion with somebody and you get to know that person a lot more. Like For instance, if they don't like a certain food, they would probably have to explain why. And if you love that certain food, you might be able to explain that, oh, actually you can have natto with like meat. And they were like, oh, I've never tried that. Maybe I'll like it. You never know. So for, sure. for example, like, you know, the time that we went to Yahiko?
0: Yes. Oh, that was so fun.
1: Yeah. I feel like that was one of our bonding moments that I really remember very significantly because I have a special moment with Wapameshi or kapameshi I think like that was the, the niigata like food with the rice cooked together with everything in the same bamboo pot because oh yeah that was so good yeah because that was actually one of the first traditional niigata foods that i've had when i came here during my interview i had no idea where to go i was googling and it was during obon which means like it was a holiday and a lot of restaurants were closed but this shop just happened to be open so i went in and i was like okay this sounds traditional, and I just saw the picture I pointed I wanted this one with zero Japanese and I had a special moment with that food itself so when I brought you to Yahiko for that, I felt like that moment was kind of recreated with just a different person yeah
0: oh, that's so sweet <laughs> i I so distinctly remember like going to Yahiko that day and you being really excited to take me to the restaurant and like show me, introduce me to the food because I had not had that before. And that is like such a major traditional dish in Niigata. And I'd been there for like months and still never tried it. So like, yeah, that was a great bonding moment. And then also bonding over the, the panda mochis that are
1: so Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. (laughs) They're in supermarkets right now, by the way.
0: I am jealous. I like would love to just be able to go to the supermarket and buy those, but you know, back in my day, it was an hour train ride. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That was crazy. Like, I, I know you love your
1: panda mochis, but I don't think it was worth the entire train ride just being there.
0: Well, I also, every time I was there, I tried to do like either the shrine and get a stamp or do the hiking or go to the park. Like, cause I went, I went a few times actually. And I also, I made friends in Yahiko, the turning point for me, because even before, like, I kind of started getting closer with um, with you and, like, Kate and Jody and everybody, um, I actually befriended deaf people in Yahiko, because I saw them signing, and I only knew one um, sign in Japanese sign language, which is hello, <laughs> and it's, like, I'm doing it now, but it's like two people. It looks like two people bowing to each other, you know, because in Japan, like the traditional greeting is with a bow and I know, um, American sign language. So like, and deaf culture is very similar all around the world. Like deaf people are just very open and inviting and they want to, um, they want to talk and like share. So I just Mm -hmm. went up to them and I started doing some American sign language and then we like figured out what we figured out how to communicate with like Google Translate and using a mix of Japanese and sign language because another person knew a little bit of American sign language. And like, they just invited me to hang out with them for the rest of the day. And then I I had just met them and I probably wouldn't advise doing this anywhere but Japan or like another very safe country, but they even drove me home. So I didn't have to take the train because, um, hanging out uh, together like I think I was going to miss the last train and I told them oh this is the the time and they were like well we'll just take you home. (laughs) What? Yeah and they not only not only did they take me home they took me to this cafe I never would have been to otherwise on the way home because it was so far from the train station like I never would have made it there on foot and or known about it for that matter and like they took me to this cafe they got me a drink um, and then they drove they got me. Got your drink? Oh. Yeah, they got me. I think I had orange juice actually, or no, I had a tea. I had a tea, but they took mm-hmm. me all the way back to the train station by my apartment, and then they invited me to join their um, their deaf uh, culture club that met every week. So I think like a lot of the times when you're in a when you're in a new place, like you just have to be receptive to meeting people and like. You just never know, like, going and exploring, like, I fully thought I was just going to be hanging out by myself the entire day, because that was, that was my plan. I just wanted to, like, explore and have some me time, Um, and I ended up making some really good friends, and they honestly, like, are, they were a huge part of my experience in Japan and making it what it was, and not only did I get to study Japanese, but I also got to study Japanese sign language, which was so much fun. And that's actually where I met uh, the mom friend I was talking about who like, ah, essentially became my mother. She was, um, also in the Japanese club, not as, um, she wasn't deaf, but she was learning how to become an interpreter and she actually, Mm. she passed her test. So (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Are you still in touch? No, I have not talked to her recently, which is really sad. Um, so I would, I would like to reach out at some point and see how she's doing, but I only had her contact info online, so I'm not really sure of any other ways to get in touch with her, but I just, I hope she's doing well. If, if you're mm-hmm. listening, Asuka-san, I miss
1: you. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I, I, will, I will send like a, a mental like note to all the asuka on here wave, <laughs> so <a wave. laughs> many. there's so many but i i really think that just having that little courage to go up and connect with people is something that i would probably not have a lot of guts to compared to you because personally for me half when i when i came here to japan i was really careful with who i was also hanging around with because i wasn't going to be this person who would let my personal life affect the way that I do my job, because, you know, being in this country for the first time, you know, you should really be at your best behavior in your first year, because that's the really important relationship that you built with your colleagues and whatnot. So I was really careful with how I was also presenting myself, because I understand that, the Japanese, uh, the Japanese are really particular about the way people dress, the way people actually speak to you. The, the I, I can tell you that bowing is a part of my life now, <laughs> a huge part of my life. I just bow like wherever I go if I have to, which is basically almost all the time. Like even when I buy stuff from the supermarket, I was like, thank you. I like, just automatically have like a slight bow, even if it's like two degrees or something. So it is just. Oh, I, I feel like just bowing is a sign of also respect for the other person, for whatever that they're doing for you. And you kind of bow even more depending on the person's status. Like if it's a principal or a vice principal, you kind of have to go down a lot more. And if you're sorry, you're going even further. Like <laughs> just bowing right now, you might still be at your knees, to be very honest. <laughs> it's time to touch our toes. <laughs> For sure. This is where yoga comes in handy, just saying. So everyone, if you want to, you know, sort of be able to do all these things, yoga helps. Yoga helps. <laughs> yoga
0: yoga helps with the bowing. I would say for me, bowing helped with the yoga because I have never been a yoga person. I've never like been very flexible. Um, but yeah, when you're in a country like Japan or anywhere that uses a bow instead of a handshake for a greeting. Yeah, you you that that sticks real quick. And I've actually been back in the US for almost a year now. It'll be a year and like a month, which is hard to believe. Um, but I still have the habit of bowing to people like on the street and until now. Like, yeah, I still bow. It's very slight, it's very subtle because most people like in America will just look at you like what? What are you doing? Um, because that is not what we do here. Um, mm. Most people in the U.S. like to say thanks or what, whatever, like either do like a handshake or a wave or like a smile, something like that, but I still have the habit of, of bowing, which I think is very funny.
1: I had that same issue when I went back to Malaysia like two summers ago, and it was a time where I thought that I was back in my comfort zone, but Japan became my comfort zone because the days that I didn't bow or I didn't sort of raise my tone of voice when I was talking to people, I, it felt really weird speaking like, hey, can I get a coffee? Like when I speak at this tone, it was really weird. It's like, hey, can I get a coffee, please? Like, you know, that kudasai that, <laughs> at the end. Like I really feel like that has been a huge part of the way I ask people for some things. And not that I was a rude person before. Like, I don't like being rude. It's just that it became increasingly polite because Japan has put me in that situation also to be like, hey, there, it's fine to have this kind of tone of voice, this way that you pronounce certain words, the way you bow when you say hi to someone. It's like, whoa, I can't let go of that right now.
0: I know. I I totally get that because I actually... I think my English-speaking voice, at least in um, in professional settings, has been like permanently altered by learning Japanese. Because, <laughs> whenever I order food or whenever I ask a request of someone or try to like get clarification from a superior, I definitely go into my high-pitched like Japanese tone, and I don't know. I don't know how to stop it. I don't think I'll ever stop it. Quite honestly, not at all. Not um, at all. And it just means that whenever I do come back to Japan, uh, once this like whole pandemic thing is over, those those habits will return and I will be like a solid member of society and hopefully be able to make friends again. So It will all come
1: back to you when you're in your zone because like when you're back in the U.S., you would probably forget some of your Japanese unless you've been constantly studying or something because that's what happened to me. Like when I went back to Malaysia, I was like, wait. I knew how to say it as in Japanese, but I just completely forgot. But when I came back here, I was like, oh, I got it. I got it. It's all back. Yeah.
0: Yes, for sure. And I've definitely sadly forgotten a ton of Japanese, which is also probably why I've been more reluctant to reach out to my Japanese friends because we never really communicated that much in English. Mm-hmm. And I am like very afraid of sounding stupid or sounding like I've forgotten as much as I have which that's just my own insecurity that I need to work on and I think once I start studying again more seriously I'll feel better but I've just been like a lot of people during this pandemic kind of in a funk where it's been very hard to like get motivated to to do anything um especially anything productive. I mean, for a while, it was a good day if I put my bra on. Oh my gosh. Yes. Totally agree. Like it is
1: just one of those times where you feel like, oh, not going out, not doing anything. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But I'm, I'm cautious when I get on zoom calls though, because you know, if you're getting in front of a lot of people, which is, you know, you don't want to be walking around without your bra like <laughs> in case i don't know if like if you raise your hand or something falls by accident and you have to stand up and run in the camera right there i don't oh, think for i sure want to do that for sure
0: and it's also like i don't know if you've seen this but there are some videos that have gone um viral over the past few months of people who were in like a work zoom call and they weren't wearing pants and they forgot they weren't wearing pants and they stood up and it was just underwear oh man, oh, man.
1: I have definitely read about that before, and that was, like, a horror story. It's, like, everyone had to pick up new work ethics in the entire year of 2020, which was surprisingly a very interesting way on how the market actually responded to that. Like, some companies, I think this was Uniqlo, they were creating a pajamas and you could also wear it as a suit when you work online so it works both ways it doesn't look off at all yeah
0: (laughs) okay interesting i'm gonna have to go over to (laughs) uniqlo.com (laughs) and see if the U.S. store has this magical (laughs) invention because I would love to have some professional pajamas where like the person on the other side of the screen doesn't know the difference. That's just a life hack right there that everyone needs. I
1: think that it would be a very beneficial thing for people who just, you know, have this new habit of getting out of bed like 10 minutes before your Zoom call or something and yeah, I, I honestly think that this is a way that people feel they could be a little bit more productive per se. But at the same time, I feel like some people might also still miss having that, you know, that moment in the day trying to dress up, trying to feel good, because that's the way some people respond to like taking care of themselves. And speaking of like, you know, taking care of yourself in a new country, sometimes even just dressing up would actually help you to feel good about yourself like today uh today i I just you know want to put on a little bit of eyeliner a little bit you know a really nice dress and i think that's fine like completely fine if you want to feel good about yourself for some days
0: definitely like at least for me i know that i always feel 110 percent better about myself when i take the time to like get dressed put on a little bit just a little bit of makeup i don't wear much but the makeup that i do put on i'm like yeah girl you look good. So it definitely, it definitely helps with like my self-esteem and it helps me like, if I need to accomplish tasks that day, I feel like getting ready helps put me in the right mindset, but I can definitely appreciate the times where we just need a lazy, like cheat day with a pajama suit double because we can't, we can't be perfect every day. (laughs) or
1: nothing just don't wear anything <laughs> just be careful <laughs> just
0: just you know don't have your camera on
1: <laughs> yeah for sure please don't
0: <laughs> and but yeah 2020 so much changed obviously with the pandemic we had to like adapt to so many um so many new situations that were just completely unprecedented and i think like i mean I'm really fortunate. I didn't, I didn't really need to make friends in 2020 because I I w I didn't move somewhere new at the, st- at the start of the pandemic and like stay there. I actually, I moved home at the start of the pandemic because, um, I was very concerned about my, my family. I didn't know, like no one really knew like where the virus was going, how bad it was going to be. And there was talk of borders closing and my, um, my fear was getting stranded and not being able to come home and see my family. And if something happened, like not being able to take care of them or help them was just like really scary for me. So I came home and I was fortunate to have, um, a lot of my friends that I've known for years nearby. And so we were able to, to zoom and to talk and to, um, play online games together. So I wasn't having to make friends during the pandemic per se, but, I also think that when the pandemic kind of gets better and people are vaccinated and are socializing more and people are able to move and stuff, it's like we've gone so long being isolated, like I'm almost afraid that I will forget how to make friends.
1: I know, I completely think so as well, because when you, I, 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 I always try to imagine what would happen when this whole coronavirus drama is like over, I always think about like, what would I do when we can actually go out safely again? The only thing that I would probably think of is, you know, when you step out the door, every single time it becomes a habit now, where's my mask? Where's my mask? I feel like that would happen for a while because it's become such a habit. And I feel like this has built a lot of ways that I would, reevaluate the way I see people because nowadays when somebody doesn't wear a mask your eyes automatically go there like oh you're not wearing a mask especially when you're driving even when you're driving and you know you're nowhere near that person you just you're immediately focusing on that person because that person's not wearing a mask it's almost like because you haven't seen a face in so long like a face so that is the kind of that i feel like it would take probably like a while to get used to for me because now being in a very social distance society and also wearing a mask every day washing my hands till they've aged till 80 is such a huge part of my life right now also because of the job that i'm in it's kind of a responsible thing to do as a teacher because you should always also look out for your kids remind them to wash their hands remind yourself to wash your hands after every period that's what we do right now so it's gonna take like a little bit of adjusting as well when I get back to that
0: definitely and you know my plan is um after after the the pandemic or at least after like I've been vaccinated and I feel um more comfortable going out and working like in-person jobs um it's just gonna be so weird, like interacting with the general public again. And um, I know a lot of people won't be wearing masks because they actually, where I'm living now, they removed the mask mandate. So now like when I go out, you see 50% of people wearing them and 50% of people not wearing them. And it's like, my eyes automatically go to them. I'm like, your face is bare, how dare you? I totally agree. That's but just, in a, a way, I mean. I mean, in a way, it's kind of like the people that I see not wearing masks, I know I don't want to try and be their friend. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. It's like our values do not align. Moving on.
1: <laughs> no, it's almost like going back to the food conversation, but I don't want to have that conversation on like whether or not you should wear a mask at this point in time, because that's going to take like a whole lot of debating and it's going to be a clash of like you know opinions as well because you know despite this virus you still see people going around having different opinions about it it's like nope i'm still gonna go out nope i'm still gonna drink nope i'm gonna wear a mask nope i'm not gonna go out drinking and everyone has their own reasons and there's no way that you can sort of align every single person Um, unless something like really, 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 really bad happens. I mean, look at this virus. It's like a huge thing. It's a pandemic, but you still see people going like, no, it's not true. The virus is not true. I'm fine. That's, that's completely okay to just go out and just live life as normal and believe that you will not get it. I was like, it doesn't work that way. That's just me. That's just me. If you have other opinions, you just hold on to them. I'll hold on to mine. (laughs) I I am not going to say anything.
0: (laughs) I will, I will, I will say, I definitely agree with your opinion. Um, I, throughout the pandemic have been, um, what a lot of people would call overly cautious, um, up until, up until recently, really, um, because you can only be, you can only be super cautious for so long. And when I, started working again in, um, in retail because I was at the point where I needed to at least work through the holidays to make some money. Um, I was around like so many people that I, I did feel a bit more comfortable doing like a few small gatherings here and there. So I've, I've had a few gatherings with like family and close friends, but I, ha- and I've eaten at restaurants where like they have outdoor seating or I've sat inside if the tables were socially distant at like a very off time when there's not many people. Um, but I like have not gone to bars or parties or like very large gatherings. I haven't, um, I haven't used any type of public transportation I always wear my mask. I'm always washing my hands. Um, I've been tested for COVID just to make sure that I'm not like spreading it around unknowingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I I do know people who have such different views on it. And sure, you're entitled to your your view. And if you already like have to say go work at a big grocery store and you're already, um, you know, putting putting your life at risk just to do your job, then if you feel like you can justify going and doing some more unsafe activities, that's fine. But I just wish that like people would at least wear the mask because I think we can all agree that the mask does help spread germs, Um, but eh, it is what it is. You can't ever get the entire population on the same page. It just doesn't work that way
1: no life is not like that like and that's the thing that i would like to also like tie back to what we were talking about like with making friends because when you somehow find somebody that you click with it also doesn't mean that you are clicking 100% i mean you and i have our own disagreements but we make it you know happen and we keep in touch like sometimes and i honestly think that this is such a perfect opportunity to also catch up because we both have podcasts now although no- I mean, like, yours is not a surprise. Like, okay, Margaret has a podcast. Of course she has a podcast. Why wouldn't she have a podcast? <laughs> so it's like we kind of drove into that, that same area where both of us also started podcasting, like, I think roughly around the same time. It was, like, December last year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny because I don't think, like, neither of us knew about the other's podcast because I wasn't doing any type of, like, podcast promotion or anything at that point in time. I wasn't even on social media. So I like genuinely had no clue that you were podcasting around the same time as me. And I'm not surprised you have a podcast either because you have so many awesome, well thought out, well researched opinions. So I'm definitely not surprised that you wanted to share them with the world. (laughs) Oh, thank you. You too
1: as well. It's always like, a thrill to see that your friends are also moving kind of in the same direction as you not that if you're going the opposite direction is a completely bad thing it's more of like a very huge plus point and I'm so glad to know you Margaret
0: I'm so glad to know you too and it's also like I think one thing that is important to remember with friendships especially like certain friendships this definitely doesn't apply to every single connection you make in life but there are friendships out there where like you can go so long without talking, so long without like, you know, keeping closely in touch, but then you can like pick it up very easily because you, you do have that sort of deeper connection where you, you do see a lot of the same things eye to eye. Like, of course, no one will agree on everything and we certainly have our fun debates. Um, But at the end of the day, like a relationship or friendship where you can express yourselves and express your differences positively and you come from a place of genuinely trying to understand the other person then you can have like a friendship that like lasts a lifetime even if you don't necessarily talk every day or even every month like which i think is something so awesome because every time i've caught up with you over the last year it's just so natural and so easy
1: (laughs) it's almost like we just picked up where we left off and it's you know how okay you know narnia and how yeah so like when you enter I know like (laughs) like our friendship is kind of like that right now because when we are in the house we're like okay this is our real life this is the brick and when we enter the closet we go into the we go into the closet wardrobe and it's like oh my gosh our friendship is just sparkling like wow and then when we when we don't meet it's like okay back to the house okay that's (laughs) fine and we go back to Narnia again it's like oh my god Razzle Dazzle, she's still
0: there. Yeah, so it's basically, like, our friendship is like Narnia right now. It truly is. And it's so funny that you say Narnia because you don't even understand how obsessed I was with Narnia as a child. Did you read the book? Yes! Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> Lewis for life, I was obsessed with those books. It wasn't even until, like, I think... After I read them, I realized the allusion to Christianity and stuff, and I was just like, well, yes. whatever. I'm just enjoying I'm just enjoying the the magical wonder of finding a whole new world and like all of this stuff. So yeah, I that's really funny enjoy. that you said that because I genuinely loved Narnia so much, read the books, loved the movie, also was a huge fan of Bridge to Terabithia. I don't know if you ever read that book. Oh my gosh, yes! <laughs> It's such a classic but it makes me cry every time
1: oh my goodness like okay i i knew about i knew about that as well because the the girl who played what's her name i cannot remember her name i am so sorry to anyone who is a fan of that but the girl who played that character she was also in charlie and the chocolate factory that was also another way that i knew about her like oh my gosh we need to look this up before you actually oh publish no this in i didn't podcast. Know this are you joking mm-hmm. Really um, okay. Uh, A uh, podcast edit here. Pause. Pause. Pause.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay, I am resuming. I'm resuming the recording. We determined it's Anna Sophia Robb, and she played Leslie Burke in Bridge to Terabithia, and then she played uh, Vi- was it Violet Beauregard?
1: Yes, the Bubblegum Girl.
0: The Bubblegum Girl in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So mind blown. I had no idea, but yes, it is the same. It is the same actor. Wow. I love both of those. Yeah. I'm just very excited that you that you know Bridge to Terabithia because that one is definitely less popular overall. But it's
1: so kind good. of like an Alice in the Wonderland-ish kind of because you know how the two kids were going off to a different world and, you know, they get bullied in school for being different. So that was kind of something I felt like, a couple of movies were happening, something something around that theme at that point in time. So it was a very familiar kind of storyline, but they brought it into a completely like different fantasy world. And I'm gonna really back to Narnia for a bit because I want to plug in this point. Narnia was the movie that made me interested in Turkish Delights. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when I went to Turkey, I was like, what is this Turkish Delights?
0: I was like, oh oh like okay <laughs> so you had real turkish delight yes I've. Had is it as good turkish as it looked delight? in the movie
1: i would compare it to quite a lot of desserts around the world that have a similar texture with a powdery coating so it was actually just a very comforting thing to have like a quick bite a quick snack that you want to you know just have something sweet and definitely pair it up with a hot drink I don't recommend like um, hot chocolate or was that hot chocolate in Narnia? Um, Because sweet on sweet is kind of like clashing. So if you have it with like tea, uh, which is a very popular Turkish thing. I did have mine with tea, Turkish tea. So it was just black tea that costed like what? It was super cheap. I can't remember. Like 25 cents USD or lesser. Can't remember. It was like three or four years ago. So have that with Turkish delights. And I was like, oh, this is it.
0: So, yeah, our friendship's is like that. Like, oh. <laughs> we, can, we can describe our friendship as Turkish delight.
1: <laughs> the funny thing is none of us are Turkish. So.
0: <laughs> no, no. But I will say that when I watched that movie, I was very intrigued by Turkish delight. And I will say I stupidly did think that he was not eating sweets. I thought he was literally eating turkey like the bird. <laughs> because I don't think at the time I realized that like Turkish meant, um, the country Turkey. I just was like, oh, Turkey, like Thanksgiving, because I was like seven. We were
1: young. We were young.
0: <laughs> Very young. So I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll, give myself a break there, but I do know now that Turkish delight is like a powdery cookie. I've just never had it, mm-hmm. but that's great. And yeah, I just, when you talk about like stuff like narnia and and like the the idea of making friends as a child like not not that there's no difficulties with making friends when when you're young like i still certainly struggled at every stage of my life to sort of push through like my my social anxiety and and talk to people and connect with others but i will say that um i feel like making friends as an adult like after college or after like some sort of educational setting when you're no longer just surrounded by people who are interested in the same subjects as you like it's so different and it adds this extra layer of difficulty on top because you're not just like connected anymore by taking the same class or having a mutual love of learning the japanese language or art like you have to really um sort of dig deep and go out and forge those connections on your own. And especially if you go to a new place, like a lot of the times the people there already have an established friend group and might not be so receptive to welcoming newcomers. And it can just be, it can just be like a very defeating and exhausting feeling to go through. Mm -hmm. Cause I know when I first went to Japan, um, even though I was still invited to go out drinking and stuff, like I still felt very much sort of on the outside. I didn't feel that like sense of inclusion that I wanted to feel, but it, it takes time really to find that. And I, I feel like if, if one friendship or one friend group isn't working or not progressing in the way that you hoped, like that's okay because there's still going to be people out there, um, for you not like that sounds kind of romantic there's someone out there for you but your people are out there <laughs> <laughs> you'll find them you just have to like you just have to really try and and have the courage and be brave and so I I was so lucky to like meet you and to and to meet the people that I did eventually because it was it was worth the struggle it, it got me through to the other side for sure
1: I think like people come into your life when they need to come into your life and they come into your life for different reasons. You know, I think I read about this like the other day. It's also because they come into your life to teach you some things. They come in your life to stay. They come in your life to leave. So it kind of builds a lot of um how do you say when you meet different kinds of people you somehow gather different stories you find out more about them and also yourself what kind of people do you gel with and what kind of people do you not gel with what kind of people who are toxic and the whole different situation about making friends nowadays it's also because you're really careful about how you spend your time with people you just don't want to work with people who just don't share the same values or something as you because i would rather spend time with people who i can have a safe and positive like conversation with as opposed to spending my entire like friendship trying to convince you to do something that you don't want to do because you know if that's one thing that i probably learned in life is that some people just don't change you know and you cannot force people to change because however you decide to feel is however you choose to feel. I cannot tell you to eat natto. I cannot tell you to eat olives. Like it, that's, that's just rude. It's like asking someone who's having a fear of heights to walk on a canopy walk. Like that's the equivalent like to me. So I wouldn't put people in that kind of dangerous situation as well. And that's how I've also built my friendships over here because they do take a while for you to understand the kind of values that people have because you know when you meet someone for the first time like you said it really takes time to get to know a person um, even have a chat but obviously you go in there with an open mind you don't go there like judging people like straight away because like why would you do that you know you've barely just known um, the person so it would really be great if people would just be honest and open with each other like i'm i don't mean honest as in like please give me your social security number or something i mean honest as in like it's fine to have that layer of conversation where you just feel positive and safe with someone you know basically that
0: you know emily actually i think you should give me your social security number. i'll tell tell you after
1: the podcast how's that
0: and then and then maybe your credit card too (laughs)
1: or what do you want to buy? (laughs) Do you want me to get you another mic for this podcast?
0: I actually would love a soundproof room so that my puppy, I like, if she cries, I can't hear her, which I guess, I guess that wouldn't be good because then if like, she really needed me.
1: I was went in two different thoughts in my head. You wanted a soundproof room for yourself or for your puppy? (laughs) for the for the
0: puppy (laughs) (laughs) because you said you you wouldn't hear her cry i was like wait wait where are you going with this (laughs) i'm actually i'm gonna i'm gonna pause the recording and bring her in here so you can see her (laughs) okay (laughs) i'll go ahead i'll just resume it so i have my puppy here and she's licking the mic (laughs) (laughs) um well that's all for part one catch us back here next week for part two to hear the end of this, um, interesting, delightful conversation. Thanks guys. See you next week.